0: numbers basketball. Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host Jacob Birkinshaw. This week we're doing part two of our series on the biggest single season jumps and falls in NBA history. Let's get into it. So like I said at the top of the episode, this is part two of a two-part series. Please if you haven't heard the greatest climbs, the biggest jumps in NBA history, go back and listen to that. That should be the episode before this, assuming nothing's happened in the interim. And this week, we're going to be rounding out this series by looking at the opposite of that, the downside, when teams collapse season to season. Going to go through again, our methodology quickly is a hybrid plus minus model, which involves regular season plus minus plus playoff plus minus. I um, combine that all together in a one final hybrid plus minus, which is numbers I'm going to be using here. Generally that goes from about plus 15 is about the best in NBA history. Going back to 1955, those are teams like the 2017 Warriors, the 1996 Bulls. Those are kind of the plus 15 teams in NBA history all the way down to about minus 15 with the 2012 Hornets, the 1993 Dallas Mavericks. They're the worst teams in NBA history. That's about a 30-point difference between them. Most of these teams are going to fall somewhere between 10 and 15 as kind of these gigantic falls from grace. Just to go through again kind of what that might mean, so like a minus 10 would be going from about plus 5 to minus 5. That's going from about a 55-win team down to a 27-win team using Pythagorean win-loss, which is a win-loss model designed to um, take your points scored, points conceded, convert that into expected wins and losses over an 82-game season. So it's about minus 10, about 55 wins down to 27 wins. Minus 12 would be going from like a 58-win team down to a 24-win team. -15 would be like going from a 62 win team to a 21 win team, so atrocious. And then -20 would be going from a 67 win team, so like a all-time level team down to about 15 wins, like a one of the worst teams in NBA history kind of level. So we're going to be looking through these teams just to remind you during this episode we will be taking a brief detour to talk about the biggest Playoff collapses. Like um, I mentioned it on the last episode, that some teams get huge bumps down or bumps up from having incredible playoff series because the methodology takes into account playoffs. It kind of weighs them more heavily. Single games are weighed more importantly just because that is the most important part of the season. And that's where the best teams prove themselves to be the best teams. The regular season. Teams, the Paper Tigers, kind of show themselves to be that. So I do put more weight in the playoffs. And that can mean, for example, like um, a team that ends up kind of borderline playoff team and makes it in as the eighth seed and gets absolutely mollywopped in the first round, just stomped by a first or second seed. Those teams, if they get crushed, might end up with a much worse plus minus than the team that came you know 17th the team that just missed the playoffs and i did i went back and rejigged it over the summer to fix some of that cuz i think it was maybe weighing that too much and dragging down teams that weren't too bad so they kind of they lucked into the playoffs and then got crushed a little bit just a little bit crushed and it kind of it was pushing them down i think more than they deserved to be pushed down i kind of rejigged it over the summer and last year and into the kind of the later part of 2020 to make that less of a thing so there were less kind of playoff teams who were taking these big jumps down below non-playoff teams because you know they got crushed in the playoffs and the teams that didn't make the playoffs didn't have the luxury of being crushed they were just pretty bad to begin with so I've kind of um, fixed that issue but for these some of these teams that still plays a part just because there are four teams that really stand out to me in NBA history as getting absolutely crushed in the playoffs, and we're going to touch on those in a little bit. But first, let's go through some of the um, some of the worst teams in NBA history in terms of their fall off, and look at how that happened, why that might have happened, and you know the big picture points we can take from that. And then at the end, we'll kind of, we'll look over, see similarities in terms of those big picture points. They're pretty straightforward, honestly. It's um, have really good players and don't lose really good players. That's kind of the simple answer to this question of how teams take these huge jumps up or take these huge falls. It's pretty straightforward, honestly, ironically. So we'll start out the 11th biggest fall in NBA history by the Oklahoma City Thru- Thunder 2016-2017. to 2017. And in 2016, they are plus 10.3, one of the best teams in NBA history. Afterwards, they are 0.3. So they're still actually a positive team, which just shows you how good they were in 2016 to then fall down, still be a positive team and have one of the biggest falls in NBA history. That's minus 10. So that goes from the 98th percentile in history to the 53rd percentile, still above average. And they go from the, on average, the best team in the league to the 14th best team in the league. Bear in mind, in reality, in 2016, they were the fourth best team in the league. But that's because 2016 has like four of the 30 best teams in NBA history played in 2016 in Thunder, the Spurs, the Warriors, and the Cavs, like, the Spurs were one of the best teams ever, and they didn't even make the conference finals, I think they're the best team to not make the conference finals, because 2016 was just a bizarro year at the top, but the um, the 2016-2017 Thunder, I mean, it's pretty, we, we know what happens, that's, you know, I think that's, no, it's not the most recent one in NBA history, but it's one of the ones that you know, everyone should know about. They lost Kevin Durant. He went to the Golden State Warriors. He went to the team that beat them. They lost Ibaka as well. He went to Orlando for Oladipo and Sabonis, which in retrospect, that's a pretty good trade, but obviously the Thunder then gave him up for Paul George. It's a whole thing, but you know, Oladipo and a rookie sophomore Sabonis aren't really helping the team. Currently at the time, whereas an Ibaka, you know, a blocker was, was helping them. And yeah, unsurprisingly, you lose Kevin Durant, you lose a past MVP, one of the best teams, one of the best players in NBA history, you get pretty bad. And they, tend, they went to average, but that's because Westbrook did one of the all-time carry jobs in the 2017 season, obviously won the MVP for it averaged a triple double for the first time in like 50 years, you know, just casually and dragged this team to about average. But they're, like I said, they're the only team that went from being in the whole thing. Like none of the teams that did a jump jumped from, they weren't a positive team before the jump. They were all uniformly bad and all these other teams that made the fall, they ended up bad like below-average teams. The Oklahoma City Thunder are the only one of these teams that stay above average, even after having one of the biggest falls in NBA history. Truly, truly a unique team. And a unique situation it created in terms of the Warriors in 2017, gaining one of the 20, 15 to 20 best players in NBA history in his prime. And the Oklahoma City Thunder losing that, not a good thing to do, unfortunately. In 10th, we have the Houston Rockets, 1982 to 1983. They go from being minus 0.6, so they're actually below average um, in in 1982, and they drop down to minus 10.9, which is awful. They do minus 10.3 drop, and that drops them from the 46th percentile ever to the first percentile ever one of the 15 worst teams in NBA history. And that's like going from the 16th best team in the league to the 30th best team in the league. Like going from a middle of the pack team to the worst team in the league by far. And that's realistically, they lose Moses Malone, MVP level Moses Malone. I think he was a two-time MVP at that point, but not the current MVP. He would win MVP next year in 83 with the Philadelphia 76ers. At the time, he's basically just holding a poor roster in Houston above water. Um, He took them to the 81 finals. They're one of the worst finalists in NBA history. Moses Malone was just doing a carry, carry job. And then the 1983 Rockets were one of the most blatant tank jobs in NBA history to get Ralph Sampson and subsequently Hakeem the next year. They just, they really just spiraled. And I think that's going to be... A common trend with a lot of these teams that you know like I said at the top of last episode it is easier to get worse in the NBA than it is to get better that's gonna carry through here because these drops are bigger than the climbs in the previous episode they are going to get pretty crazy once we get near the top this one is relatively tame all things considered They just, they lose MVP Moses Malone. They completely tank out and they end up with getting two number one picks in a row. And they end up with Hakeem after all of it. So this tank job didn't even get them the player that would go on to, you know, win the championship. It got them Ralph Sampson, you know, and a, a great player, but an injured player who, whose career was cut short, unfortunately, by injury. Kind of similar. I mean, he was like seven foot four. He could handle the ball a little bit. Good defender, good playmaker for his size. Like He's a really interesting player, actually, Ralph Sampson. But unfortunately, this all this tanking was for naught. Well, not for naught. It ends up getting them Hakeem in the long run. But the 1983 Houston Rockets didn't really benefit from the, the noble sacrifice that was made. And they end up jumping down to one of the bottom 15 teams in NBA history, which is sad. Let's make it more sad. In number nine, the Charlotte Hornets, or the Bobcats at the time, 2011 to 2012. Now, this is an interesting one, because this team starts out minus 4.6, which is really bad. That's like the 25th best team on average in a league. And they drop down to minus 15.3. That's a minus 10.7 drop. They go from the 16th percentile to the zero percentile they are the worst team in nba history and they started out bad to begin with like i said that's going from about the 25th best team in the league to the worst team ever and the weirdest part is there's not really a clear reason for it like yes they lost like sean Livingston, they lost gerald wallace they lost kwame brown wow but they they went from being an awful team to the worst ever like they brought in rookie Kemba Walker Bismack Biombo. they lost Boris Diao who was a good player Their uh, DJ Augustine was injured it was just it was just a com- a combination of just they just couldn't win like it's the worst team in NBA history and yeah they lost some good vets like um, Boris Diaw, Sean Livingston you know they got lost to other players like Kwame Brown <laughs> Gerald Wallace and DJ Augustine and they added some rookies who obviously rookies in a bad situation tend to spiral and that's kind of what happened with Kemba Kemba's you know did okay coming out of it Biombo, you know he he's made a lot of money for not being great but yeah the 2012 Charlotte Hornets kind of end up here just on principle like they were there are teams on this list that like the better teams that fell more that didn't reach as low as the Charlotte Hornets started out as. Like that's that's how crazy the fall is for the Charlotte Hornets that they were so bad to begin with. And then they finished up as the worst team in NBA history. Shocking, shocking. And they didn't they didn't really lose. Like they lost, you know, veterans and some talent, but not like the talent you would expect the team to lose. Not like losing Moses Malone or Kevin Durant or anyone they just they just sucked really badly they just really really sucked let's move on cuz that's that's quite a sad story but also kind of funny as well unless you're a charlotte fan in which case it's devastating but i find it you know quite funny that you can be that bad and then from being that bad you can be like look we can get a lot worse than this guys don't don't act like This is our this is our rock bottom because we haven't come close to our rock bottom yet, but they can't. They end up ninth as the ninth biggest fall in NBA history. In eighth position, the Memphis Grizzlies, twenty fifteen to twenty sixteen. Now they start out as a good team. They start out plus four point eight, and they end up minus six point two. So that's an eleven point drop over a single season, and that goes from the. 85th percentile in NBA history down to the ninth percentile in NBA history. And they go from being like the fifth best player, fifth best team in the league to the 27th best team in the league. So going from borderline-ish contender status to a bottom five team. And that was a kind of it's a combination of things. It's the same as what's going to happen later as well, where we have an injury bug and a downturn in form in the regular season. And then we combine that with one of the worst blowouts in NBA history in the playoffs. Is it the worst blowout? I can't remember. It's not. It's the third worst blowout in NBA history where they get blown out in four games. But we're going to... I'm going to touch on that in a little bit. I'm going to go through them um, when we get to the next team that does this collapse. But for now, just know... The 2016 Memphis Grizzlies had one of the worst blowout series in NBA history. And that really drags them down here because they didn't make the playoffs. They are one of only, I think, today and the other ones, I think, yeah, this and one other team made the playoffs while having one of the biggest falls in NBA history. And it's because of this because they have, there are these four series which are just, just complete, complete destructions of these teams. But that's the the 2015 to 2016 Memphis Grizzlies drop 11 points. They go from the fifth best team in the league to the 27th best team on average. Sad situation. Number seven, the 2018 to 2019 Cleveland Cavaliers. Not the last time we will bring up a LeBron James-led team. Unsurprisingly, LeBron leaves, teams tend to get bad. And the 2018... Cavaliers were plus 1.5 and they drop down to minus 9.7 so they go from that's an 11.2 drop they go from the 64th percentile in NBA history to the second percentile in NBA history that's like going from the 11th best team in a season down to the 30th best team in a season and that comes down to um you know the reason why they weren't even that good to start with. Honestly, this is one. I think this would be a lot worse if, um, the twenty eighteen Cavaliers, if their plus minus data reflected how good LeBron dragged them. Like, if LeBron had dragged them in the regular season as much as he did in the playoffs, this would be a much bigger fall. But they don't. They're you know the eleventh best team on average in twenty eighteen. Obviously, they reached the finals that year. Um, I don't think anyone else no there is there's a couple that reach finals and win championships even that make this fall off but this would have been a bigger fall it's just that their regular season numbers really drag them down here in 2018 but then you get to 2019 kevin love is injured for basically the entire year um the aging championship ross championship in quotation marks because they were famously one of the worst teams carried to a finals, the 2018 Cavs. That roster is aging like in dog years. Obviously, um, LeBron leaves. That that tends to have a negative effect on teams. LeBron James leaving tends to make you quite bad. And they end up as the worst team in the league that year. Second percentile ever, so one of the 30 worst teams in NBA history. The 2019. Cleveland Cavaliers and it's like I said not going to be the last time we end up with LeBron on this list and now before we reach team number six on this Greatest Falls we're going to do a brief intermission to talk about what I mentioned before with the Memphis Grizzlies the worst playoff blowouts in NBA history and how they kind of they affect some of these rankings because the next team we're going to talk about is going to feature on that so the, there are four teams that really stand out. Like There are a lot of teams that go to the playoffs and they get blown out. They have like a minus 10 differential. About 30 teams in NBA history have a minus 10 playoff differential. Four teams have minus 20 or worse. Like if you get, there's like the, um, the 2004 Celtics, a fifth at minus 17.8 over four games. And then you get to in fourth place, at minus 23.5, the Miami Heat in 2001. In 2001, the Miami Heat lost to the Charlotte Hornets in three games, 106-80, 102-76, and 94-79. to 79. They ended up about minus 12 on offense and defense, and they got absolutely destroyed. This is like the Alonzo morning. He did absolutely nothing in the series. Eddie Jones... Um, was their leading scorer, Eddie House was there doing basically nothing, Brian Grant, that old-ass Dan Marley, and they just got completely destroyed by Jamal Mashburn, Baron Davis, and they end up being the fourth biggest blowout of a playoff team in NBA history, the 2001 Miami Heat to the Charlotte Hornets, the original Hornets that then go on to become the Pelicans. And to me, they are the Pelicans because... I don't consider um, the new Charlotte Hornets to be the Charlotte Hornets. Like for me, it's the franchise owns the history of the team, not the city they play in. But that's just me. I know it's quite an unpopular opinion in American sports, but I consider that to be the Pelicans in modern times. So that's the fourth biggest blowout in the playoffs in NBA history in terms of kind of the team drops out and they start out the, the year. They're about going into the playoffs. They're about plus two in this metric, and after that playoff blowout, they end up at minus one and a half. So three games drags them down by three and a half points over an entire season, which is um incredibly bad. Like that's that's incredibly bad. Then third, we have the Memphis Grizzlies that I said we come back to in 2016 they played the San Antonio Spurs in the first round and they got demolished again like the average point differential was about 22 points they lost by so over four games they had minus 88 over four games in actual minutes and you know it's um that 2016 Spurs team was a monstrous team whereas the Memphis Grizzlies Like they didn't have Marcus Soule in the playoffs. They didn't have Mike Conley. Their leading scorer was like Lance Stevenson and Zach Randolph. And they end up losing by um, their kind of their plus minus is about minus 24. Their offense is minus 17, which is the worst playoff offense differential in NBA history. Their defense, relatively speaking, was only about seven points worse than average. So that's the bright spot, was a terrible defense because their offense was the worst in NBA history compared to the opposition they were playing. And that dragged them down. They weren't a good team coming into the playoffs. They were about minus 2.3 coming into the playoffs. Coming out of the playoffs, they were minus (laughs) 6.2 after a four-game demolition. So not not great, not great. Now I'm going to skip over number two. We're going to come back to them the worst so this um quite interesting they got demolished by the san antonio spurs but the worst playoff demolition in nba history belongs to the san antonio spurs of 1986. they got absolutely absolutely demolished by the la lakers they the average point differential is what is it about about like 95 points in three games they end up losing by more than 30 points per game on average i think yeah the closest they actually came was a 20 point loss in game three and that team was just just awful like the um the lakers were obviously on fire you know james worthy was putting up 16 points kareem put up 17 byron scott put up 18 and magic was obviously magic he put up 19 points and 16 assists in three games so on average that's uh, you know just magic being magic and um the san antonio spurs were not good they had really old artist gilmore young alvin robinson robertson who would go on to become one of the great defensive guards in nba history but now is just a very young player getting blown out by the lakers west matthews actually west matthews um senior was there he put up 25 points in that series so good player for a you know a career kind of role player Kind of how many teams did he go through i think six or seven teams he played for in his career so i'd say west matthews jr is probably the better one but west matthews senior was the only goodish player in that series and they ended up minus 25 minus 25 in three games They started out at about minus two. Coming out of the regular season, their differential was about minus two. After three games, their differential dropped to minus 5.2. In three games. Absolutely atrocious. And they had an offense differential minus 15, a defensive differential of minus 10. Those are both two of the worst in NBA history. Their offensive differential is actually I think it's the second worst in NBA history is the second worst offensive differential in NBA history and their defensive differential was not that bad actually it was the um, 26th worst defensive differential in NBA history but it comes out on average and they are the worst blowout in NBA history in the playoffs belongs to the nineteen eighty six San Antonio Spurs by the nineteen eighty six Lakers. Little fun fact for you, little uh, little nugget. But I, if you might notice, I only mentioned three of those teams, and that's because the second worst blowout ever is going to be the number sixteen on number six team on this list. Bear in mind, we are talking still about um, the biggest falls in NBA history, and this is. The New Orleans Pelicans, 2008 to 2009. So in 2008, the New Orleans Pelicans are plus 7.6. In 2009, they're minus 4. That's an 11.6 drop. So they're going from the 94th percentile in NBA history, great, great team, down to the 19th percentile. So they're going on average from the second best team in the league down to the 23rd best team in the league. And this is because their 2008 playoffs was an incredible run like they get to the conference finals i believe or semifinals. finals they they have an incredible run in the playoffs in 2008 and they have a great regular season in 2009 their regular season drops off a little bit and then they have this um playoff series versus the nuggets in 2009 which is the second worst playoff blowout in nba history they actually end up winning a game like that's how Bizarre, this is. They end up with, they're about 25, they end up over five games at about minus 125, but they do actually win game three by two points and then they end up losing the next game 121 to 63. That's right, in a playoff game, game four of the NBA playoffs, a team nearly doubles their opponent's points in a game. That's just, how does that even happen? And obviously they just this is just destruction. This team ends up about minus twelve on offense and defense about minus twenty-four through five games. That drags them down from they enter that at about plus one point six regular season. And obviously, like I said, they end up at minus four because they played they just they got demolished over more games and it ends up really bad for that New Orleans Pelicans team. So it's a it's a cocktail. Of issues that kind of comes down to them having this awful blowout um cp3 is kind of the only bright spark for this team in 2008 he's amazing 2009 he's still amazing but um tyson chandler and pager kind of they're falling off a bit in this team obviously they would go on to play for dallas mavericks in 2011 and win a championship but those would be as role players here they're kind of expected to be the second third fourth option on this good playoff team they're not up to that task anymore and that kind of leaves cp3 holding the bag at the end of the day and that drops them down from being a top top level team in 2008 a really one of the underrated teams i think in nba history because they have such a good run in the playoffs. And then they have such a bad run the next year that it kind of creates this perfect cocktail of you were this good one year. And then by having this bad a season next year, even though in both seasons you made the playoffs, you had pretty good to very good regular seasons. You end up in this list as one of the biggest falls off. Because like I say, it's easier to fall in the NBA than it is to climb. That should really be on a T-shirt or something because it's such a truism. And it's so sad for CP3. Get CP3 a championship, please. Don't know if he'll win one with the Suns, but, you know, go join the Lakers or something, Chris. Win a championship, you deserve one. And number five, the return of the man, LeBron James, the 2014 to 2015 Miami Heat. 2014 Miami Heat end up at 10.1 on this, plus 10.1. Afterwards, they fall to minus 3.2. So now we're jumping up again. The Pelicans were minus 11.6. The Heat in fifth are minus 13.3. Huge, huge fall. Now we're way past that, like dropping from a 58-win team to a 24-win team. We're way past that now. That's in the distance now. That's for, We're falling from 98th percentile, so a top 30 team ever, down to the 23rd percentile. So this is like going from like the best team in the league to the 22nd best team in the league. And there's a combination of things, obviously. Not only does LeBron James leave, but um, Chris Bosch and Dwayne Wade, player combined 106 games between them. So they average out about 53 games, big injuries from both. And I think the 2014 Mamma Heat get a bit underrated because they get blown out by the beautiful game Spurs, who are one of the best teams ever. The 2014 Miami Heat are an all-time team as well. They just, you know, through a combination of injuries, um, their top players outside of LeBron falling off a bit, they just get blown out. But they have a great playoff run to get to those finals, and it's still it pushes them up as, you know, a top-30 team ever. They just get beaten by, like, a top-5 team ever, top-10 team ever in the 2014 Spurs. And then you combine that afterwards with LeBron leaving – and Bosh and Wade both falling off even more in 2015. Though Bosch kind of comes back, he rallies a bit before, obviously the um, the health condition forces him into early retirement. But that team is just—it's not prepared to play without LeBron. I think this is a common factor. I think with these teams where you know the 2018 to 2019 Cavs, the 2014 to 2015 Heat, these teams rely so much on LeBron being the glue. To hold these disparate parts together that as soon as he leaves they just they plummet. And maybe I don't want to put that on LeBron because honestly front officers build better teams around him. like if you build a well-constructed roster around LeBron like this LA team, like this LA team would not be a championship contender in 2021 without LeBron. but they'd still probably make the playoffs and be okay. Like, probably a first-round exit. AD is their best player. You know, Dennis Schroeder. Like, they wouldn't have a great supporting cast around them. But I think they'd still make the playoffs. That is not the case, obviously, for the 2019 Cavs and the 2015 Heat. But the 2015 Heat have injuries as well. So that's that cocktail of issues we were mentioning earlier. You have multiple issues going on at once while losing an all-time player you end up in this, in this discussion as the fifth biggest fall in NBA history. Now let's get on to the fourth biggest, and that is, they were, they ended up kind of number one on the other list. So it's, it's a story that ends well, but the 1996 to 1997 San Antonio Spurs, and then they would climb up and have the biggest jump up, um, in NBA history the next year. So it's a real roller coaster. I might do an episode on that. Actually, the um, the biggest roller coasters in NBA history. Basically, um, every team LeBron leaves actually is probably the biggest roller coaster. I think the Cleveland Cavaliers in the past like decade have probably been the biggest roller coaster. But this Spurs team was pretty close with their fall from ninety six to ninety seven. So in nineteen ninety six, they're a plus four point four. In 1997, one of the ultimate tank jobs, they go down to minus 9.1. That's a minus 13.5 drop-off. And that's basically like going from the 82nd percentile to the 2nd percentile. Or from the 6th best team in the league down to the 30th best team in the league. Get used to this now because these teams are going to be falling into the very bottom of league history. Like that 97 Spurs team is a bottom 30 team in NBA history very famous tank job obviously combined with david robinson's injury apart from that it's basically the same team but a lot of these guys are playing on limited minutes compared to last compared to the 1996 team because obviously without robinson they have no hope of contending at all they probably weren't legitimate contenders in 1996 to start with realistically but without him no hope rest everyone tank the season end up as one of the 30 worst teams ever get tim duncan jobs are good and that's how we get the fourth biggest drop off in nba history there's not much else to say about them honestly number three the last time the man the myth the legend will feature on this list the 2010 to 2011 cleveland cavaliers the third time lebron leaves a team and they become they have one of the biggest falls off fall offs in NBA history and this is the biggest one of all they go from 5.2 in 2010 to -9.5 in 2011 that's a -14.7 difference the drop from the 2010 to 2011 cavs is as big as the rise in the 97 to 98 spurs so we have now already passed the inverse of the biggest jump in nba history and we're only third on the biggest falls list so this is like going from the 86th percentile down to the second percentile of teams or going from like the fifth best team in the league down to the 30th best team in the league and not only does lebron james leave this team which you know has an effect of sorts i suppose they also gasp lose Mo Williams and their 40-year-old Shaq. And the 2010 Cavs, they were a good team. They weren't as good as the 2009 Cavs, but they were still a good team. But, yeah, they just, as soon as it reaches 2011, this team has nothing. Those first Cavs teams were so barren outside of LeBron. It's just, you know, maybe the top player ever, like the second highest peak, I think, in NBA history, dragging an otherwise terrible roster to contention to finals to conference finals to being some of the best teams ever like the 2009 calves are one of the best teams ever this 2010 calves are like a top 200 team ever still a very good team still a real contender and then without him they become one of the 30 worst teams ever unsurprisingly that's just that's the nature of the beast like i was saying These teams are so built around what LeBron does well that as soon as you take LeBron out of that picture, there's nothing else there. Like, there's no other ball handlers, there's no other elite players. They just, there's nothing to build around. And these teams just collapse. And that's the third time he's featured on this list as, you know, the leaving force, that MVP, leaving force, leaving a team to just tumble down in nba history and apart from him like this is i think the biggest normal fall because we're going to get into the top two now those are more like things like you just wouldn't see otherwise like it's lebron james is this this is the 2010 to 2011 Cavs is just one player of a hall of fame level in their prime leaving that's not going to happen again like this is the biggest drop off from like one player leaving like we have before that you have like the 2016 to 2017 thunder where durant leaves or the houston rockets where moses malone leaves or the 18 cavaliers where lebron leaves or the 14 heat where lebron leaves or the 96 97 spurs where robinson gets injured this is the biggest one the 2010-2011 calves where lebron leaves This is the biggest time a single player leaves a team or gets injured and that team falls off a cliff. Because then you'll see with the top two what I'm talking about. At number two, we have the 2019 to 2020 Golden State Warriors. This team goes from plus 6.9 in 2019 to minus 8.1 in 2020. That's a minus 15 drop. Minus 15. So that's about half the gap. Like I said, the difference between the GOAT team and the WOAT team is about 30 points. So now we're at 15, so about halfway between them, that drop-off. And that takes them from about the 93rd percentile team ever, which is like a top 100 team ever, with the loss as well bear in mind they lost that finals they had a relatively mundane regular season for the golden state warriors that team healthy was better than this but this is just their differential this is what they actually put down on paper on the floor and they end up as a top 100 team ever with losing the finals with kevin durant obviously blowing his achilles and the 2020 golden state warriors are in the fifth um, percentile so that's like going from the third best team on average in a season to the 29th best team. So real big drop-off. And we all know what happens. Durant leaves, blows his Achilles, Clay does his ACL, and then unfortunately his Achilles a year later, which probably stops them. Like The Golden State Warriors were really a contender, I think, to have one of the biggest climbs this year with, you know, Steph, that's another thing. Steph plays six games. Now he's back playing really, really well, all NBA level. If Klay didn't get injured, I think this team could have that kind of roller coaster bounce back year in 2021. I don't think that's going to happen now just because, you know, like I don't think they're going to be 10 points better off than they were last year. I don't think they're a real contender this year. Maybe a top 10 team, but not a legitimate contender level. But like we're talking... You know, Durant leaves, Clay gets injured, Steph plays six games, Iggy leaves, Draymond basically takes the year off. And we're talking, you know, three, four, five, even, depending on what you think about Iggy, Hall of Famers kind of either getting injured, leaving, not playing well that year. It's a, you know, it's the entire team just drops off the face of a cliff. And that is, and that barely takes them above LeBron James leaving the Cleveland Cavaliers. So that's that kind of I think that kind of puts into perspective as well just how important LeBron is to every team he plays for and why there was an interesting actually I was listening to the Mismatch um a little while ago like last week a couple of weeks ago and they were talking um Kevin O'Connor was talking about how like executives were saying LeBron should have 10 nine or ten mvps at this point and it's not just the stats he puts up it's his leadership it's how important he is to you know fundamental to a team's success and i think this kind of speaks to that where you know three of the ten biggest falls in nba history in fact three of the seven biggest falls in nba history are when lebron leaves and the only ones that get more important then because 2010 2009, 2010 to about 2013, that's LeBron's prime, like his athletic prime. And towards the end, he probably gets more intelligent as he goes along, becomes a better playmaker. But athletically, defensively, as a scorer, I think that's his real prime, prime years. And the only teams that are worse than him, that take bigger falls than a team when LeBron leaves does are like the warriors when they lose three or four hall of famers in a single off season, and that i think speaks to just how big an impact lebron has i don't think there's ever been a floor raiser like lebron in nba history or a player it's possible i think that's part maybe lebron's biggest goat point actually how there is really isn't a player as impactful to a team's success as lebron is like you just have lebron you are a playoff team. You are a team that not only makes the playoffs but gets to the second round, the conference finals, the finals. It doesn't matter who you're up against. It doesn't matter, you know, what LeBron has around him. That is his flaw. Is like taking a team to a final, because then you look at the biggest fall off in NBA history. Number one, you're probably again, like with the last episode, if you are following along, if you are making a mental checklist in your head, you probably had this team number one. That is the 1998 to 1999 Chicago Bulls, the biggest fall off, and by far the biggest fall off in NBA history. So in 1998 they're a plus 11, which is a 99th percentile ever, so top 15 team ever. The year after, in 1999, they are minus 9.7, which means the fall off is minus 20.7. 20 points. Bear in mind, there's only a 30-point gap between the GOAT and the woke team. And second was minus 15. And 11th was minus 10. So the gap between second and 11th is smaller than the gap between first and second. Here, they're going from a 99th percentile team ever to a second percentile team ever. It's the only time in NBA history where if we did it like per 30 teams... They're going from the best team in the league to the worst team in the league, to worse than an average worst team in the league and from being better than an average best team in the league. And obviously we know Jordan leaves, Pippen leaves, Rodman leaves, Phil Jackson leaves. The entire team is broken up. You know, Tony Kukoc becomes the foundational part of this team. It just, it collapses. We know this, but it is by far... The biggest fall off, and that I think speaks to as well. Like if LeBron is the go for dragging a team to such greater heights than they deserve to be at, this is close in terms. Like it's hard to really prize out Jordan's impact on that loss, but we we know it's huge. But then obviously you're losing Pippin, Rodman, and Phil Jackson as well. This team probably tried to tank a bit more than they let on. I think the '99 Bulls were a real tankathon team. But it, that combination of factors, like if we look at, like we did last episode, we look at the factors that we're talking about here. We're talking loss of Hall of Fame talent or GOAT talent in Jordan and LeBron or multiple Hall of Fame talent going, like with the Golden State Warriors with Steph, Durant, Clay all going down, or, you know, Hall of Fame talent in David Robinson getting injured or these kind of these big spiral issues like um, in Charlotte Hornets, you, you lose a vet and you have these underwhelming rookies and you get this kind of spiraling, you have a huge tank job. I think that's something that really comes out in the biggest falls is that there's a confidence effect. There's a kind of a spiraling effect, which I think is it's true as well for climbs, but I think it's more prominent for falls off than it is. Because like I keep saying, it's easier to become worse in the nba than it is to become better it's easier to fall than it is to rise and i think that's very true here and i think you can see here you know if you the odds are honestly the weird part is if you lose lebron basically you become one of the worst falls in nba history or lose multiple hall of famers or you know moses malone kevin durant lose david robinson or make the playoffs and have one of the biggest blowouts in NBA history. That gets two teams on this list. That's kind of, that's how you do it. Game the system by having one of the biggest blowouts in NBA history, lose multiple Hall of Famers, or if all else fails, just lose LeBron James. That tends to do the trick. That being said, thank you for joining me for this whole series on the biggest rises and the biggest falls in NBA history. It's been a lot of fun. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please like it if you like it. Please subscribe. Please check out our other episodes with Stephen Brett. Um, please check out Older by the Numbers. Please come join us on Facebook. Join our discussions. We have lots of groups uh, basketball, hip hop, um, American football, regular football, soccer, as you guys call it, gaming. We have loads of groups. We have a great group of people in there. Love to have you join. If you haven't listened to The Biggest Rises, go listen to that one as well, because that's part one of this whole series. And I will see you guys next week. Bye-bye.